The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. Each week, the Pet Buzz provides the latest news and information on how to keep your pets healthy and happy so you can save money and have a fulfilling relationship together. Now, here's your Pet Buzz hosts, Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Welcome to the Pet Buzz, and you are listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate pet talk radio, where we talk about enhancing the animal-human bond each week with each other and our listeners throughout the world. We're here from our studios on the Gulf Coast of Florida. You know, one of the most interesting things this week that came up, Dr. Fleck, is that a stranger came knocking on my door. He was soliciting for solar panels at the time. I didn't know that. But one of the things I was really grateful for was that the dogs, when he knocked, were a deterrent. Another good reason to have pets. Another good reason to have pets. And then I started thinking that, you know, one of the things that I don't do is I don't have those beware of the dog signs. But my friend Amy had given me this little flag and you could see the cute little English toy spaniels. And as much as I like that sign, I think I'm going to take it down because people will know what kind of dogs I have and assume because they're a small dog breed, they're not going to do much damage if they break in. It's kind of like advertising what kind of security system. You know, people have those security system signs in your yard. Well, a few years ago, we interviewed a security expert and he told me not to put the signs of the security system you have because it makes it much easier to break into. And that makes sense. Yeah. So now what I'm going to do is remove the flag of the English toy spaniels because I don't want people to know what kind of dogs I have. Okay. Because I don't want them maybe to possibly think if they could steal my dogs, if I'm walking in the neighborhood, or they'll try to break in to steal my dogs. I'm not saying they're, you know, expensive French bulldogs like Lady Gaga, but a lot of small dogs, people are interested in stealing these days and actually selling to make a profit. The price of the dog doesn't make any difference, does it? I know. Well, not to us anyway, because we love all not, dogs. Not to all of the pet lovers. Yeah. So now let's kick off the show with the weekly countdown. Well, in segment four, I talk about how to let sleeping dogs get restful slumber. Three in seg three, veterinarian Dr. Jose Arce, president-elect of the American Veterinary Medical Association, talks with us about preventing zoonotic diseases. And in seg two, you don't want to miss Flex Facts, in which I discuss how to put a pet first aid kit together. And segment one, fostering a cat requires a lot of dedication and commitment. Do you think you have what it takes to be a foster feline parent? And we're going to find out because here to tell us is the Pet Buzz Dream Team member, certified animal behaviorist, Beth Edelman. A big hello to you and welcome back to the Pet Buzz, Beth. Hello to both of you. It's so nice to be here. So why is fostering such a rewarding experience? Well, for me, uh, I love the fact that, that the cats that I send out into their new homes are ready. They are person ready. They are good with scratching the scratching post, using the litter box. They're friendly. They're social. So they may not be all of those things when I get them, but they are all of those things when, when they go out. And that means that they're going to be loved and cherished and, and stay in their forever home forever. It sounds to me like Beth is saying that they're pet ready. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's yeah. what it sounds like she's saying yeah. to me. Yep. So, Beth, can you review with us why some animals need fostering? I mean, what's what's the story? Why are there so many or, or maybe there's so few animals that need fostering? What's the deal with that? Well, during COVID, shelters, cat cafes, et cetera, have all been closed. Some have reopened, some have not. And so there's been a huge uh, increase in the need for fostering. But even when everything is reopened, there are cats who need fostering. And often those are very young kittens that need round the clock or very intensive care. They might be sick cats. They might be cats with special needs. They might be cats who just don't do well in a shelter setting or a cat cafe setting who are just, you know, nervous and, and possibly defensive or aggressive in a situation where there's a lot of other animals around, but are actually very sweet and calm and relaxed when they're in someone's home. So, so then describe for us some of the cats that a foster mom or dad could take in. Well, you can, you can take it all. And there are some groups that, that uh, don't have facilities anyway, and they operate only with cats who are fostered. So any kind of cat you're dreaming of, you can foster. But even, cat, even groups that have facilities like shelters and cafes and so forth, you can take in kittens, young kittens. You can take in adolescents that are just very active and don't do well in, in, in a shelter situation because they're too active seniors especially, and sweet older cats who just want to sit on the couch next to you, um, sometimes sick cats or special needs cats, cats that might be missing a limb or have other special needs, and cats that are very fearful also do much better in foster settings than they do in shelters. So feral cats, but not necessarily feral, sometimes just really fearful cats, cats who have, you know, just I've been in someone's house and now I'm in a shelter. I'm really scared. And, and they will sometimes really shut down in a shelter and really blossom in a foster home. Wow. It sounds like you can pretty much get anything. I mean, if you want a special needs cat, you know, or you want a kitten or you want a senior cat, it seems like there's a lot of options for people. I think they're available. Okay. So if you've just joined us, we're talking with certified animal behaviorist, Beth Edelman, about fostering cats. Um, Beth, really, what do you need to know before fostering? The first thing is that you need to understand the policies of the group that you're fostering with. And every group is different. So I, I foster with a group that has policies that, that align with my values and that I feel comfortable with. But everyone's you know, comfort level is different. So you want to know, what are you going to be paying for? What are they going to be paying for? That's probably the most important thing. Um, how long do they expect you to keep the cat? Are you going to be involved with uh, adoptions? Are potential adopters going to come and meet the cat in your home or not? I mean, the money thing seems like a big thing. I mean, are they going to pay for the vet? Are you going to pay for the vet? Who's going to provide the food? Yeah, in, in my practice, I have a number of foster parents and some of them continue on with the rescue group that's that's provided it uh, and pay for the bills and others. They take it over as soon as they can. And of course, that's a benefit to both, because if they take over the bills, it leaves more money in the rescue group for more adoptions that they can send out. And if they don't have the wherewithal for that, the rescue group wants to help them take care of that cat. So I see it go across the spectrum. Yeah, yeah it's win-win. Okay. And it just depends on the people and what their, as you say, financial resources are and how much they care. And, and, and it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing, Beth. You know, the thing is, if you have time and space and the inclination and you don't have a lot of money, 
that's okay. Your time and space and desire and love are very, very valuable. And then just work with a a group that'll take care of the expenses. But believe me, um, the expenses are only one part of it. If you have the time and the space and the inclination, that's super, super valuable. And, And it's okay if you don't have the money. Right. But if you do have the money, then you're really benefiting the group and other pets, too, and other foster parents that maybe can't afford to do it if you take on that yeah. financial responsibility. Okay. You had a, uh, another question. So what kind of a person then should be fostering a cat? Well, it's important to to not foster the cat to amuse yourself. Cats in foster really need a caretaker who's going to work with them understand who they are, help an adopter to understand who they are, and eventually adopt them out. The idea is not like, oh, it might be fun to have a kitten this week, or, oh, it might be interesting to have a cat, you know, this month. On the other hand, it is good for someone who loves cats, but doesn't necessarily want to make a long-term commitment or isn't able to make a long-term commitment. Or if you are in love with seniors or in love with kittens or that kind of thing, that, that it can be great for you. But it's important to know that it's work and it's a commitment. And so it's, it's not, it, it is super amusing and rewarding and fun, but it's not only amusing. It's mm. not just for amusement. So in other words, you have to think and make sure you're ready for this type of commitment, even though you may love cats. Okay. Be, just be responsible. Yeah. Okay, Beth, this is such an interesting topic, and I hope that you can stick around for another segment and we can ask you some more questions. Can you? Oh, that'd be great. I'd love to. Okay, great. Can't get enough of the buzz? We're online at thepetbuzz.com with daily features, including helpful tips from Charlotte, more flex facts, and a lot of ways for you to save on all of your favorite pet needs. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. What would you do with two and a half more years with your dog? Two and a half more years of fetch, of walks, of love. Studies show that overweight dogs live two and a half years less on average than dogs at a healthy weight. But Slim Paws is here to help. Veterinarian recommended weight loss in one daily chew for your dog. Slim Paws, for the long, healthy life of your dog. I want to be a contender. I want a warm belly to sleep on. A big house. How do I look? Do do I look good? I want to play hard. My nails done. Once a month. I want. I want. I want a home. I just want a home. I want someone to love. Last year, more than 30,000 companion animals came to us without homes. 20,000 of them were felines. Let's make some homes. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. 
That's epi-pet.com. Well, we're back. Uh, the Pet Buzz Dream Team member certified animal behaviorist Beth Edelman is talking about fostering pets, specifically cats. Uh, dream Team members, many of you are thinking, what are, <laughs> what's a Dream Team member on the Pet Buzz? Well, they are repeat guests who we love having on the show. And in many cases, we have personal relationships. And they provide with them. such valuable information. Right. And, and they're fan favorites. Yeah. I mean, really, that's yeah. what they are. So if you've just joined us, we're talking with certified animal behaviorist Beth Edelman about fostering cats. So let's talk about how you get started. What do I do? You get started by finding the group you want to work with. And that, you know, you can start with your municipal shelter and and just email them, give them a call and say, I'm interested in fostering. Do you have a foster program? A lot of large municipal shelters actually have training programs for fosters, particularly if you want to take in kittens or a special needs cat. So that can be great. You can also um, work with smaller groups and it's more just a question then of honestly looking up online, what are the cat rescue groups in your area and giving them a call. But I think you need to interview as you would, you know, any other serious commitment that you're making and ask them what their policies are, what kinds of cats they get in. Some groups only take in feral cats or cats with behavior problems. And you may or may not feel ready for that. You may also or may not feel ready for taking in kittens that are very young when you have or haven't been trained. Taking care of young kittens seems like a lot of fun, but it's actually a lot of work. And so if you want to do that and it's your first time doing it, you really need to take a class. And so you want to work with a group that will give you some training to show you how to do that. So you have to think about how much support do I need and who's going to give me that support? You know, I think that class is a great idea. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's really good. Even if you go to the local shelter, take a class, maybe you will not work with your municipality shelter, but at least you have options and you do get some good training. So talk to us about some other important consideration when we're fostering cats. Well, I think the most important thing that I want everyone to think about is if you have your own cats at home, to think about what's going to work for them. I, I want to kind of put this to you as if you have children. If you have your own children and then you think, oh, I, I would like to foster children as well because I like kids and I know there's kids in the foster system who need a good home. You still would have to think about your own children first. And you wouldn't say, oh, if the foster kids come in and they beat up and bully my kids, I don't care. My kids will have to suck it up and get used to it. You wouldn't do that. <laughs> and you can't do that with cats either. So the first thing is, if you do have cats at home, you need to think about, would your cats be okay with fosters? What kind of fosters would your cats be okay with? Or possibly, do you have a large enough living space that you can keep your fosters in, in another part of the house? So I really want to encourage everyone, if you already have cats, to think hard about your own cats before you bring in foster cats. Great comment. Great advice. Not only foster pets, but pets that you're having and planning on being permanent members of the family. Sure. So as a foster parent, what other tasks do foster parents, moms and dads take on other than caring for the cat? Well, you're caring for the cat in your home. Let's just emphasize that this is already a pretty big task. But you may also have to take the cat to the vet. We're doing kittens now. 
And so our kittens need periodic vaccinations. They needed a trip to get spayed and neutered. We had to weigh them um, every day because when kittens are very young, they need to be weighed. Um, and we needed to make sure they were the right weight for spay and neuter. But um, even with adult cats, they may need vet visits. You're certainly responsible for keeping an eye on their health and letting the foster group know if you feel like the cat needs to go to the vet. And you may have to take them to the vet yourself, even if you don't have to pay for it. Some groups also uh, want you to help screen potential adopters. I like to do that because I feel like I know my fosters best. They certainly want to give the potential adopters a chance to meet the cats. And that may be virtual. It may also be in your home. And so you have to think, am I comfortable with someone coming to my home and meeting my foster cat and seeing if they like them? Many groups will, will also invite you to have input into whether or not that adopter is a good choice for your foster cat. Hmm. A lot of work involved. <laughs> All those good suggestions, too. You're also going to have to take a lot of pictures of them because every foster group wants to put pictures of the cats online. That's an excellent idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. Mm. And actually, you know, it's if you remember, we had on uh, one of our, our one of our dream team members who does a lot of studies at Canisius College. And she said it's always best if you are showing pictures of the cats playing and engaging in activity, not just sitting around because then people can envision themselves playing with the cats. Do you remember? Yeah. And visuals, yeah. visuals are always better visuals than are words. Great. Okay. So last question, why is it important to all as a foster parent to always keep the big picture in mind? Well, you know, eventually the cats are going to leave. Yeah. And I always, I take them in with that understanding. My husband cries a lot when our foster kittens leave. I don't. And it's not because I don't love them and it's not because I don't miss them because that certainly is the case. But I always take them in with the idea in mind that I'm going to make them uber fabulous cats who are going to just be adored and loved for the rest of their lives. To me, that's the rewarding part. That's what I like to do. It's important to really keep that in mind. You know, foster fail is kind of a joke, but it's not actually so much of a joke. Your job is really to get these cats adopted not to adopt them yourself. You know, if you want to adopt a cat, then by all means adopt one. But your job is really to, to help them move through the system in a way where they are comfortable and can blossom and can be their best selves so that they can get adopted in a way where they will be loved forever. Thanks, Beth, for joining us today on the Pet Buzz, the Pet Talk radio show that discusses how to enhance that bond between pets and their people. Thank you so much for having me. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. You know, I love having Beth as a dream team member, somebody we can rely on. She always gives a great interview, specifically this one, discussing fostering cats. Brace yourselves for big news. We're going to the place where all the action is. It's time for Pet Buzz Celebrity Pet News. The most sensational news. Fantastic. I'm so excited. You, you, you ready? Here's pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. Early in the month, Big Bang Theory alum Kaylee Kuka was blown away by a meaningful and sweet anniversary present. Her husband, Carl Cook, gifted her with a stuffed replica of her beloved dog, Norman, whom she mourned earlier in the year after he died when he was about 14 years of age. So I found this out on the People for Pets website. Kuka tells People receiving this stuffed dog may be the best present that she ever received. Well, some people may think having a replica of your dog could be a little creepy, 
Kaylee and I agree it's pretty cool. And I did a little research and found that cuddle clones make a custom stuffed plush cuddle clone that captures all the physical details and the unique features of your pet. It can be your dog or your cat or anything else. You can even clone all or any of your beloved animals. So right now they're having a sale. It's $199. You can get that replica, but you can also, when you pay, you can feed 20 shelter dogs. So I can tell you right now, I'm going to go have one of Ty made. I'm even going to get a pair of the custom PJs with the face of my dog, just like Huko. I think the pajamas were great. And I'm going to make sure that I share uh, a picture of her with the replica of Norman in her doggy custom pajamas. Ever wonder what goes on inside the Pet Buzz studio? We post full-length video versions of all of our guests on our YouTube channel. You are listening to the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Tever Pet knows there's a lot in your life that you worry about. We want to make sure your pet's flea and tick protection isn't one of them. Tever Pet offers vet quality flea and tick protection that has the same active ingredients as leading brands like Canine Advantix 2 and Frontline Plus, but that cost much less. Which means you can give your pet total flea protection worry-free. And the best part is you can get Tever Pet flea and tick topicals delivered right to your door when you shop on TeverPet.com. Tever Pet, helping you and your pet live your best life. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. And now what you've been waiting for, Flex Facts. Dr. Fleck, what are we going to talk about today? I'm going to talk about making a first aid kit. Okay. Big question. What should we put in a first aid kit? Some absorbent gauze pads, adhesive tape, of course, cotton balls or swabs. I'd have both. Fresh 3% hydrogen peroxide to induce vomiting. Always check with the veterinarian or animal poison control expert before doing that, though. And an ice pack. You should probably also have some, maybe some disposable gloves, scissors with blunt ends, tweezers, OTC antibiotic ointment, oral syringes, or turkey basters. This is a big. That's a big thing. This is no, but this is a big thing. You got to have all this stuff, right? A thermometer. Okay. Liquid dishwashing detergent for decontamination, followed by an appropriate pet shampoo to neutralize that liquid detergent that you're using, large towels, which can be used as a stretcher, alcohol wipes, styptic powder, saline eye solution, artificial tears. Think of this, a phone number, clinic name, address of your veterinarian, as well as local veterinary emergency clinics. You could probably just get a card from your veterinarian and stick it in there, right? Yes. Okay. And don't forget the ASPCA's hotline number, which is open 24 hours a day and 365 days a year. Just remember, though, there's a 65-buck charge. Yeah, every single time you call. And that number 
is 888-426-4435. It's always good to have these numbers, right, Dr. Fleck, in the first aid kit, because let's say your phone gets damaged or the cell tower is down. You want to make sure you have these numbers, especially if you're in a shelter or if you're on the road, correct? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So why is it a good idea to check up on the first aid kit every few months, well, even you, if you're not using you, it? You, like anything, if you, you need to check your pack every few months, just to make sure nothing's expired or needs to be replaced. And of course, keep your kid out of the, out of the reach of kids. Yeah. That's always important. Kids are always curious. They oh, want to always know they sure are. What, what does Fido have that they may not have. Okay. Right. So do you think it's a good idea to have a first aid book in the kit? That's a great idea because a good first aid pet book covers all the basics of first aid care for dogs and cats from cuts and bee stings to convulsions, choking and traumatic life threatening injuries. Yeah, I think that's and there's some and I'll make sure we put some uh, books up on our social media channel. So in case anybody wants to check out some books that they should have anything else you can think of. That's all the flex facts for the week. Simple, but short, but really good. So we'll make sure we post Dr. Flex list up, yep. uh, up on our social media channels and you could see what you need to have. So COVID-19 is not the first deadly virus to make the jump from animals to human. But of course, there are others, some deadly, others fairly mild. Most importantly, we are surrounded by them every day. They are zoonotic diseases. And our next guest is going to talk about them and how we can prevent them. So joining us today to talk about zoonotic diseases is veterinarian, Dr. Jose Arce, the president-elect of the American Veterinary Medical Association, and we're delighted to have him with us today. Welcome, Dr. Arce. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here with you guys. Can you please tell our listening audience what is a zoonotic disease and why do pet owners and others need to be concerned? Sure. Yes. Uh, zoonotic diseases are, are diseases that can be spread from people to animals. We, it is known that six out of every 10 infectious diseases that affect people are spread from animals. And three out of four, basically 75% of the new or what they call emerging diseases also come from animals. So, and those diseases can cause mild symptoms, can, they can cause severe symptoms, but they can even cause death. Wow, that's a lot to think about. Okay, so can you give us examples of, um, can you tell us what causes them? And can you give a few examples of some zoonotic diseases? Yes. So there's many, many diseases that can be transmitted from pets to humans. And, and we know, you know, having an animal with us is very beneficial. And there's a lot of benefits for people from living with animals. So we don't want to stop that. We just want people to be careful and be aware of what can happen. Some of the most common diseases are uh, cat scratch disease, uh, which is basically something that uh, where cats can lick a wound that we have, or they can scratch us, and they can pass the, this bacteria that can affect us very, that easy. Uh, ringworm is something that many people have heard about. Ringworm is a, it's a fungi, and, and sometimes it's transmitted through the hair of, of pets. Uh, for example, I had somebody who picked up a stray cat in one of the big retailers that we all go to, it, it was in one of the carts, and the cat didn't show any signs, and it, it but it had ringworm spores, and they got it, it, they got it all over the place, and their kids were affected. Uh, another one, uh, salmonella. We hear about salmonella and food poisoning uh, by eating uh, contaminated food, but also people that own reptiles like turtles, they can get it just by touching uh, the turtles. Another one that's very common, leptospirosis, which is one of the things we vaccinate against. 
and that they can get through the urine of pets or through the urine of rats that, that are eating you know, the food of our pets in their bowls. Of course, rabies, a, a huge one. Uh, it can cause death. And you know, depending on where you live, there's different vectors that we'll talk about that later that can transmit rabies, but rabies is mortal. So if we, if we get bitten by a wild animal, make sure we, we tell somebody. And then basically parasites, many of the parasites that are, that are on the feces of our, of our pets, you know, hookworms, roundworms, whipworms, they can transmit it to humans and they can cause diseases. They can cause uh, different things, even things on the eye, uh, like toxoplasmosis that we can get from cats. You know what I'm really excited about? It's like these are real life examples that Dr. Arce is giving that people can really relate to, I believe. Yeah, these are pathogens that we all know about their diseases and people want to know how these diseases are spread. Many different ways. Basically, the most common one, direct contact through the saliva, through the blood, through the urine, through the feces or other body fluids of our, of our animals that are infected with something. They can transmit it to us via those uh, fluids. The indirect contact, it could be through equipment. It could be through the aquarium, the tank water. It could be through you go visit chicken coops, even objects that are on a farm. The dust on a farm can have feces that are infected with things that we can get that easily. So, so sometimes it's not just having the contact with the animal, petting them or being in contact with them. It's just equipment or things that are located in some of these places. Uh, vector bone is another very common way to get these diseases. And basically so through bites of ticks, fleas or mosquitoes. Another very common one, foodborne. We all know about food poisoning, you know, by eating raw meat or eggs that are uncooked and even the milk that's not pasteurized. But sometimes a lot of the fruits and vegetables that we eat have come in contact with the feces of animals. And if we don't clean those, those vegetables and those fruits well, we can get the pathogen like that. And the last one, waterborne, you know, drinking water from contaminated uh, water that were that feces or urine of pets or other animals have been in contact, pets that have infectious diseases. You know, it's really interesting because I just read this morning from one of our colleagues in West Virginia at his hospital already, just in the first six months, they have laboratory confirmed 81 cases of Lyme disease. Yes, yeah. that's a tick-borne disease right there. A perfect example of it's transmitted through the deer tick and it happens more you know, in the mid-U.S. and on the eastern coast of the U.S. Luckily, here we don't have it yet because we don't have deers. But, you know, somebody could introduce a deer and bring it to us, too. You don't have any Puerto Rico? No, we don't have Lyme disease. Really? The cases okay. that have been diagnosed are mostly people that have traveled from the U.S. Uh, recently. Of from course. the mainland, because Puerto Rico mainland, is yes. part of the United States. Okay. <laughs> Good correction. Okay. okay. Well, well, future state, future state. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've just joined us, we're talking to the American Veterinary Medical Association president-elect, Dr. Jose Arce, about how to treat zoonic diseases and how to prevent them. The uh, American Veterinary Medical Association website is avma.org. Well, I thought, I agree with you, Dr. Fleck. Great information. Love Dr. Jose Arce. Cannot wait to have him back. From a territory, not a state yet. From a territory, not a state. That's part of the United States for those Correct. people who have questions. Well, just to remind you, that was president-elect of the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association, discussing zoonotic diseases and how to prevent them. I promise I will not forget to wear gardening gloves <laughs> um, and make sure you guys all wash your hands. Up next, we're talking about dog sleeping habits, so stay tuned.
Ever wonder what goes on inside the Pet Buzz studio? We post full-length video versions of all of our guests on our YouTube channel. You are listening to the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. So... I just moved in with this family, and it's embarrassing. The little one, he likes to go outside and crawl around in the giant litter box. I don't know what he's doing. I mean, I was born, and I knew how to use the litter box. That's disgusting. I really hope he grows out of this, for his sake. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Now you know what your dog feels like waiting for you to go on your daily walk. Welcome back to the Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz. Enhancing the bond between pets and their people. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. So great news for pet owners of Golden Retrievers, Boxers, Bull Mastiffs, Basset Hounds, St. Bernard, Scottish Terrier, Airedale Terriers, and Bulldogs. All these breeds are susceptible to an increased risk of developing lymphoma. The Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, just announced full approval from a lymphoma treatment in dogs this past Thursday, aiming to benefit quality of life and allow pets and their owners more time together. So I think that's fantastic. The injection called Tenovia cleared regulatory hurdles after it first gained conditional approval in 2016 through the FDA Minor Use and Minor Species Program, which is designed to help pharmaceutical companies overcome the financial roadblocks they face and prevented limited demand animal drugs. All in all, there is one step closer. If your dog does have lymphoma, you will be able to spend more time together. So that is Global Pet News. News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something good. You want to hear something good? I got something for you. Well, first responders rescued a man and his dog from the Hudson River in New York Last Saturday, this 28 year old man jumped into the water in Midtown Manhattan on the west side around 5 p.m. in an attempt to save his pooch's life. His dog had accidentally fallen in, according to the NYPD, the New York City Police Department. The department's Harbor and Emergency Service Unit stepped in after the pet owner began to struggle in the water. Both the man and dog were towed safely back to shore. Need more buzz? We've got plenty more for you on our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We call it Pet Buzz Plus. It's the best way for you to engage with like-minded pet lovers everywhere. So remember, Pet Buzz Plus. You know, like humans, dogs need sleep and exercise. 
So good sleeping habits and an exercise regime contributes to a healthier and happier dog. The past week, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, my co-host, appeared on CBS Las Vegas to provide expert tips about dogs and sleeping. So, Charlotte, how many hours a day does a dog sleep? You know, dogs sleep anywhere from 8 to 14 hours a day. However, these numbers vary based on your dog's age, activity level, and uh, health condition, as well as personality. Well, here's a good one. Do dogs suffer from sleep disorders? You know, that's a great question. And just like humans, dogs do suffer from a number of sleep disorders. Dogs can have insomnia, which is also related to physical discomfort like arthritis, sometimes fleas or other medical ailments like heart or respiratory problems. Canines can also suffer from sleep apnea, which is more common in dogs that are flat-faced or really overweight. And other disorders that can affect dogs, believe it or not, are narcolepsy, where a dog will just fall over. And that is, in most cases, genetically rooted. And Dobermans is the perfect example. They could be standing one minute and slumped over the next. Well, I've never seen one of those practice. So how can we help dogs sleep better? Well, I think, you know, pet owners can help dogs sleep better, providing them with a consistent feeding, exercise, and sleeping schedule. You want to also think about exercising your dogs according to the season. I mean, we live in Florida. It's really hot to be outside in the late morning until really about, you know, seven or eight o'clock, it starts to get cooler. And the same thing if you're up north in the colder weather environments. So you really need to come up with indoor activities versus outdoor activities versus the time of the year. So puzzle games, indoor agility sets are great. Uh, when outdoor conditions are extremely hot or extremely cold. You can play like with soft toys. Fetch is a great indoor game, whether you can throw the bone or the ball or the soft toy and have your dog run around. Additionally, I think in conjunction with getting your dog some exercise and wearing them out a little bit, you also want to pay attention to how a dog sleeps and provide a bed that is kind of comparable to their sleeping habits. So for example, a dog with arthritis, it needs a firm supportive bed. It doesn't necessarily have to be an orthopedic bed, but it could be a firm cot, for example. Larger dogs have a tendency to stretch out while smaller dogs or toy dogs have a tendency to curl up to preserve body heat. Now, for example, if your golden retriever goes outside and gets wet and comes back in, he's not dried off. If he goes to lie down, he might curl up in that ball to preserve body heat. So you also might recognize you need seasonal dog beds. For example, in the summertime, a lot of beds, dogs lie in them. They don't want to lie in beds because they trap body heat. So you'll find your dog going to the kitchen or going to the bathroom where there's a tile floor. So for example, you might want to have a cot which has mesh and more open air and off the ground so the air is circulating around the dog. But in the wintertime, you might have a cozier bed or a warmer bed made with a heavier fabric. That's really interesting. So how best should we wake up dogs? Well, I never really advise people to physically wake up a dog uh, in a rough way. So I would say call your dog first. If you can remember Thames, remember Thames, Mm -hmm. our dog, he just died in November. Thames would sleep like he was dead. Mm -hmm. So you would, he would, and he would always find a little space to hide and go to sleep and you'd kind of go over to him and you might kind of jar him a little bit and you would think, oh my gosh, maybe he is dead. Well, Really, you want to call them to arouse them. 
and that really depends on your dog's personality, uh, REM cycle. Some dogs have nightmares uh, and their dreams. So if you wake them up physically by jarring them roughly, they could bite you. And this is really a big problem with kids who really kind of want to enter. They don't necessarily, boys especially, don't interact with dogs so gently. You know, if you do wake up your dog, say his name and maybe softly pet him, but not too much physical stimulation. Well, we know a lot of people sleep with their pets, their dogs. Should we sleep with our dogs? You know, it's, that's a loaded question because a lot of people, like you said, enjoy sleeping with their dogs. It provides them with comfort. But is it always a good idea to sleep with your dog? It's a better idea if you and your dog have separate bedding. You each have your own resting place. This ensures that both owners and dogs get a good night's sleep. I'm a light sleeper. I have snub-nosed dogs or brachyphysalic dogs. They snore and they snore a lot of times at night and wake me up, even though they sleep in their own beds. So it's always a great idea for a dog to have his own resting place. So this is very interesting topic, Charlie. So who would think that dogs suffer from many of the same sleep disorders as humans? Yeah. But I guess we got it from the expert, pet trendologist. Charlie Reed. Yeah, well, thanks. I mean, it was uh, it was uh, it's really something I've been interested in for a long time. And actually, believe it or not, it was triggered by a study I read by the Mayo Clinic a few years ago that said people should not sleep with their pets because they do want to get a full night's sleep and dogs have a tendency to move around and circle. Uh, in my case, my bed is really high. And I did. I bought a bed like that way because I didn't want the dogs to sleep in my bed. But of course, the smallest dog the nine, the less than 10 pound dog figured away. If he jumps on the couch at the foot of the bed, he can climb in the bed. You know, this is a great interview and a video, of course, that we have this. And it's good because I think some of our listeners may want to share this with their friends. Yeah. So the video of this information can be seen on our Pet Buzz social media channels. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Well, it's a wrap. It is. It's definitely a wrap. Next week, we're going to talk about dog parks, the best city with dog parks. And of course, we're always going to have more health and lifestyle topics. So next week, we're going to talk about the best dog park cities. But Dr. Fleck, can you uh, thank our guests? I sure can. We have wonderful guests, Beth Edelman and veterinarian, Dr. Jose Arce. You're a new president. My new leader. You're a new president who we, we both love. I think he can be a Pet Buzz Dream Team member. I think he can be too. Of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Don't forget, if you buy EpiPet products using the Pet Buzz as your code, you'll receive 25% off on all the great products, including shampoos, skin and coat sprays, sunscreen, ear cleaner and supplements for your dogs and cats. But if you have a question, write to us at team at the We'll cover it next week on our show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels and listen to the linked podcast and Monday morning. Most importantly, remember we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. If you and your pets need even more buzz, we're online at thepetbuzz.com and our social media channels, Pet Buzz Plus, the best way for you to engage with like-minded pet lovers everywhere.